You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Over from what Chad will say and from what we've been discussing in this chapter. And we're going to begin reading in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. And we're going to be preaching about standing in the fire. Standing in the fire. Once I say that out loud, that sounds weird. As if you're like, uh, like, what are you doing standing in the fire, man? Just get out. Uh, but standing in the fire. How to stand when you're going through fires. How to stand when you're going through difficulties. But look in verse number one. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus. And I'll just remind you, In Thessalonica, Paul went there preaching the gospel, persecution arose, and when persecution arose, Paul left, they went down to Berea, and uh, man, they they saw God do a work down there, Uh, but then persecution came to Berea, and Paul left Berea, which again, I just think is a fascinating thing, because I have always had the mentality of uh, just stay and die, right? Uh, That's what a good... Christian would do. That's what a good preacher would do. But I didn't what Paul did. He got out of town, man. He's like, oh, they're going to kill me. I'm out of here. I'm going to go preach uh, uh, so I can keep on preaching. You know, just a different perspective, isn't it? Uh, now there come a time to where he did uh, die, but uh, but that wasn't where he was supposed to be at at that time. He ended up going to Athens and and uh, and Corinth. Came along through there, but uh, but but here's what he did. He sent Timotheus, uh, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to, and mark this word if you would, establish, establish you. That's where the thought of coming and standing is, establish you, and to comfort you concerning, and here's another key word, your faith. If you had underlined that word faith, the word faith, the Bible says that no man should be moved by these afflictions. So now we're talking about the fires. We're talking about the difficulties. For yourselves know that we are, what's that next word? Appointed thereunto. We have an appointment. We have an appointment to keep. And it's an appointment with trouble and fires. Why? Because God's going to bring a blessing out of it. God's going to make us better. He's going to get glory and it's going to work to our good. Verse 4, For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. i got to pause here for one moment and say, I still, every once in a while, just get baffled by the people that preach the wealth and health and prosperity gospel. I'll just move on. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith. There's that word faith again, mark it. I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. Who do you think the tempter is there? That's right, that'd be Satan. Verse 6, but now when Timotheus came from you unto us, and brought us good tidings of your faith, there it is again, and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. 
Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. There it is again. Mark it, underline it. Uh, God don't just repeat something because just for the sake of it. There's always a reason. Uh, One time is important, right? Uh, But if he repeats it over and over, you see even more. Verse 8, for now we live. If you stand fast in the Lord. Again, that's, that's the drive here, standing. You guys are going through these appointed trials and afflictions, but I'm praying that you stand in the Lord. Verse 9, For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So there we see faith coming up again. Now, God Himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you, to the end that He may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for giving us Your Word. Your Word that makes a difference, God, in all of our lives that we have today. God, I pray that You'll help us in these moments, dear Lord. May our hearts and minds be transformed uh, in the message today, God. And we'll thank You for what You do in Jesus' name. Amen. Obviously, the desire of the Apostle Paul as these Christians went through their trials and afflictions, he was concerned, will they be able to stand? Will they be able to stand through the afflictions? Will they be able to stand through the persecutions and the trials? And that that was his great concern. Now, there's another cool thing that's illustrated here that it's going to come full circle again in a moment. But he says, I can't be there with you. And he was concerned about that. I'm not being able to be there with you. I don't. And remember, he couldn't go on Facebook and he couldn't text. He, he couldn't just pick up a phone and say, hey, how's everything going over there, guys? He just literally is just, he doesn't know. But here's one of the cool things that we learned through this. Paul couldn't be there, but the Holy Spirit of God could be there. And the Word of God could be there. And there's a, and, and for many of you, this won't sound like much, But did you know it's a pretty big deal to have the philosophy that God's people are God's people? Okay, and what I mean by that is this, that it's not up to me to make people become who they are. Uh, You are God's people. You are God's sheep. Uh, And I can trust God. My job is to preach the word. My job is to teach the word. My job is to instruct. And my job is to do all of those things. But ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God that can bring you along. And that's one of the reasons why we don't try to force people to, you know, be, end up in some kind of certain way. We're going to force it. I'm going to make it happen. You know, that, that's where you get the conformity coming in. Everybody looks the same, acts the same, talks the same. Uh, every, it's just all the same. Why? Because there's this certain mold that people are just being pushed and crammed into because this is where, what I think and what I picture you ought to be. No, you're God's people. Let God work in your heart. Let God help you to grow. So the Word of God is taught, the Word of God gets in your heart, and then you're able to uh, let the Holy Spirit of God work. And, and hallelujah, guess what? This, this is an amazing thing to many, many preachers, but God really doesn't need us. 
in terms of getting people. He uses us. God has put us pastors for, for a reason in the church. Don't misunderstand me. But ultimately, God is able to do things that pastors could ever, never do because we're just simple men, or any other man could do for that matter. God is doing the work, and that's what He Thessalonican Christians. In the first two chapters that we've been looking at in Thessalonians, Paul explains how the church was born and nurtured. He, he talks about their, their new birth and their salvation. And now, in this chapter, he's dealing with the next step, and that's maturity. He wants these Christians, you know, Era right now is just, what, seven, seven and a half months old, and she's, she's pulling up on stuff. You know, she's growing, and there's just this thing in here where she wants to stand, uh, where she wants to walk, to where, why? Because she's maturing. And Paul is hoping that these, when he left them, they were just baby Christians. But he's saying, man, I want to see you established. I want to see you standing. So that's what he's hoping for and praying for. And the end that he's wanting to see in this, he's wanting to see them established. And we saw, we pointed that verse out as we went through there. Now, Paul explained three ministries that he performed that, that was going to help these new Christians be firmly established in their faith. And these same three ministries are vital to you and I to make sure that we are able to stand firmly in our faith against whatever it is that we may face in life. Again, these people were facing persecution. They were facing afflictions. But they were able to stand. And we're going to look at these three things uh, if possible tonight. If we don't get them, get them all, we'll pick it up another day. But the very first thing Paul sent them was a brother to help. A brother to help. Notice what the Bible says there in verse number 2. And sent Timotheus, our brother, and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of God. This, this is where I said a lot of what you know, Chad was referring to. It's interesting, isn't it? We talk always about the great ministry of the Apostle Paul. But you know really what the great ministry of the Apostle Paul was? A big part of that great ministry was Timothy. And a big part of that ministry was Silas. And, and, and you could just go right down the list of Paul's and Luke, Paul's fellow laborers. And we think about all that Paul did. But really what Paul was doing is he was, you know, working with a team. There was other people that God was using. And in this case, it was Timothy. So Paul wasn't able to go, but Timothy was able to go. Paul wasn't able to be there, but Timothy was able to go there. And that's exactly what he did. He sent Timothy, a brother, to help. He went after all that they went through. As again, the, the persecution I mentioned... And we see here, he sent him because of a couple things. Number one, we see Paul's concern. And this is cool, verse number one. Wherefore, when we can no longer forbear. The wherefore there, of course, points back to the last few verses of chapter two when he's talking about the, the, the persecution, the hindering of Satan and all these things. Paul had a concern for these believers. But with the person and the gift that he sent... The ministry that God brought in was going to help them to stand in the midst of the fire. And what was it? It was a brother. He sent them a good brother. He sent them a brother to minister, a brother to care, a brother to help. Notice a couple things here about Timothy. Now, because here's the thing. Uh, God wants each of us, the ultimate goal, number one, is if you do not know Christ as your Savior, He wants you to be saved. And I'm glad as a Bible believer that I can say that to all people, aren't you? 
It is the will of God for you to be saved. He is not willing that you should perish. He, he, he died for you. He died for the world on the cross He gave His life. So it's, your will, it's God's will for you to be saved if you're not saved. If, if, it's, if you are saved, it's God's will for you to get saved. And then like we see here in this text, for you to grow and mature and find a place of service within a local New Testament church. And hopefully it's this one, but if it's not this one, it needs to be another one to where you can grow and give your gifts. We've all been gifted. We're, we're all, God saves us and puts us in a local church because we have certain gifts. And among these gifts is really seriously the, in, the, the ability for God to help us influence the lives of others. You know, we were all born into the church. Well, I better back up there. I was going to say we were all born into the church of the 20th century, there's a number of people who were born into the church of the 21st century. But the point that I'm trying to make is this. There were certain things already that were normal in churches when we started going to church, and maybe not your church, but at least for the most part. And one of those detrimental things, if you'll let's just let me hasten to this point, is it feels like that a lot of churches, that if we're not careful, we, we, we love emphasizing the gospel, and then we love emphasizing people living right and all that stuff, but it just seems like that's what it's deduced to. What is the church, what's church in the Christian life all about? Okay, well, get saved. That's a good message. We're not going to quit preaching that. Get saved and live right. Okay? But that's not it. I mean, unless you're going to include that a part of living right is saying, okay, now I've been gifted. How can I serve? Also, with Timothy, it's illustrated. God, God saved and equipped and enabled Timothy, why? So that he could then disciple someone else, have influence on somebody else's life. Now, when we talk about discipleship, I am starting some discipleship uh, here. I, we, we just met up here last night, and, and I can let you know when we do some of these things, it was kind of impromptu. A couple of young men that got baptized that we weren't able to go through classes, uh, Bible studies before, we're kind of doing after. And while we were doing it, uh, I just invited another guy or two to come along. That was in town just a couple, like an hour before we did it. But uh, we, we, we did that. So I, I'm all about sitting and doing class. But when I say discipleship, I'm not saying, oh, yeah, done discipleship. I did a 12-week class. I got the little certificate at the end. Done. Been discipled. No, you haven't. And if that's, what the, if that's all the church is doing, the church is not discipling people. The church is doing a 12-week class of teaching somebody good stuff that hopefully will stick with them and help them the rest of their lives. But discipleship goes beyond just some class. See, because here's the important thing. When I say that God wants each of us to be able to disciple and influence the lives of other people, I'm not saying, okay, so now what your job is to do is to stand in a classroom or sit around a table and now you get to teach a discipleship class. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about whatever you, however you've been gifted and some of you, listen, you're, you're, it's not God's will for you to sit and lead a group of people. Or stand before people. And some of you are grateful for that. Am I, not, am, I, am I right? Some of you are grateful for that. But how about as you live your life? How about as you go through your day? How about as you... A, a, a part of discipleship is literally just spending time with people. Hey, taking... I mean, it, it can just be simply some, somebody that's new in the church inviting them out to eat or something. Inviting them over for coffee. And, maybe, and, and getting, taking some time to get to know them. And, and in the process, maybe begin to share with them some truths of the Word of God. Because even if you're an introverted person that's not interested in teaching and standing in a group or leading a group around a table, hey, 
If you just got somebody that you're being friends with, you can begin to share the Word of God, talk about the Word of God, if you're in the Word of God yourself. Because here's one of the big things about, that we learn about Timothy and Paul. Paul was able to lead Timothy. You ever thought about this? Paul, Paul led Timothy to the Lord, discipled him. And in a moment, we're going to see a verse out of, I believe it's 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, where Paul told Timothy, he said, The things that, that I've committed to you, commit thou to faithful men who be able to teach others also. So then Timothy got saved, taught, and guess what he did? He taught somebody else. And those people that he taught, guess what they did? They taught somebody else. And you go right on down the line and guess what? Somebody ended up teaching me. And somebody taught the person that led me to Christ. You see, it's just a continuation. Literally, we are a continuation of what we're reading right here in this chapter. And I think it's a pretty awesome thing. But... That's what Timothy did. He sent him a brother. You're going through a tough time. And other, for one thing, in order to grow, we need somebody. It's, it's beneficial to have somebody there to be a help, like Timothy was sent to be a help. Notice a couple things that we notice about Timothy. Number one, we see that Timothy was a Christian. We see that Timothy was saved. The Bible says in verse 2 there, Timothy, our brother. I mentioned this already, but we cannot lead another person where we have not been ourselves. Nor can we share that which we do not possess. That's a pretty heavy burden, isn't it? And that's the challenge, by the way. Because I believe it's God's will for us all, in some form or another, to be a Timothy. Be an influence in somebody else's life. Every one of us. Every one of us that are saved. But then somebody sits there and says, well, I don't really know the Bible. Do you know there's a solution for that? <laughs> um, there is. I, I, you know, I don't really know a bunch of stuff. There's a solution for that. And by the way, you don't have to know everything. And you don't have to know a bunch of stuff. You know what you can do? Learn one thing. Talk to that person about that one thing you learned. Learn something else. Talk to them about that. I mean, just, just be a, you, you know something else you can do? You can just say, hey, man, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, where are you at in your faith? And, uh, man, how would you like to read the Bible together? You know, let's start in Romans, and, uh, and, and we can check in with each other. If, if you're the type of person that does it on the app, uh, we, we do that with people to where we'll get people on the Bible app, and we'll do, do a, a, um, a plan together and, and comment and communicate. And we're just trying to bring people along and communicate and get the Word of God, <coughs> excuse me, into people. Uh, so, uh, Timothy was saved. Uh, first time in a long time I tried to go without a peppermint. Come back to get me. Uh, so, but Timothy was a saved person. Let me share with you a couple of the verses that I mentioned before. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 is the verse, and they probably had it up there. Sometimes I don't even, I don't even see what they're doing. Uh, they do such a great job. But 2 Timothy 2, 2 is the verse where the Bible says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 12, the Bible says, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So one of the clear jobs of a pastor teacher, because I tend to believe when it says pastors and teachers, it's not saying pastors and teachers, it's pastors and teachers, because pastors must be teachers. 
teachers don't have to be pastors, but pastors must be teachers. And so, uh, oh, thank you very much. That little coffee never hurt. No, it's water. But uh, we, we see there that for the perfecting of the body, the perfecting of the saints. And what's, what's the word perfecting normally mean when you read it in the Bible? Maturing, that's right. It's not talking about that, boy, wouldn't that be a job? Can you imagine that job description? If the job description of the pastor was, okay, I, I made you a pastor, now did you make, make sure everybody's perfect now? Well, that'd be tough. But no, he says, for the perfecting, the maturing of the saints. So he was a saved person, Timothy, our brother. He was also a servant. The Bible says he's our brother and minister. I like that. He's a minister. He's a minister of God. That, means, that just simply means he's a servant. He's a servant. Uh, we, our, our English word comes from the word diakono. A servant. Paul, uh, Timothy was just a servant. He was a brother and he was a minister. So the brother that, that we ought to be toward people that are going through trials and everything and just in general, in order to mature, we've got to be saved. We also need to be not only saved, but we need to be servants. We need to be willing to serve uh, and that God gets the glory. But it doesn't there. He was also a sacrificer. That's not actually a word. But it says he is... The, he's, our, he's our brother, minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel. He was a fellow laborer. He did not try to run the show himself and get people to follow him. To begin with, he was a fellow worker with God. It was God who worked in and through Timothy to accomplish his work. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. This is a great verse, as they all are. For we are laborers together with God... Year God's husbandry, year God's building. Let that sink in for a second. We are laborers together with God. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to a place here because we're talking about standing in the fire, how to stand in the fire. The very first thing, that the gift that God gave and that Paul sent to this church was Timothy, a brother to help. Right now, I'm speaking to you as brothers and sisters to help. I'm admonishing you to be on that level. Because ultimately what we're going to see is because the reason we need to be that is because we need, we need to be that because sometimes I need you to be that. When I'm going through the trial, I need you. Right? When I'm going through the affliction, we need one another. And so right now I'm admonishing us to be like the man he sent to these suffering people and, and afflicted people. Sometimes we're going to be that afflicted person. But here's the thing. He was a fellow laborer. He was a laborer together with God. That's one of the great things. If you ever do anything for God, sometimes you feel like you're over your head. You feel like this is more than you can accomplish. You ever feel like that, Ryan? All right. Uh, but here's the good news. We're enabled because we're fellow laborers with God. You know, I mean, think about that. Think about God throwing in with you. Hey, we got a job to do. I got a job for you, Jesse. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And then I see the Lord, you know, strapping on his tool belt and saying, all right, let's go. Then I'm like, oh, you're helping? Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm working with you? Good. Because here's the thing. Ultimately, what God, listen, what God calls us to do, he will enable us to do. Yes, he will use our natural gifts and talents. But he, he can also enable us beyond our natural gifts and talents. 
And oftentimes that's what spiritual gifts are. Spiritual gifts and our personality traits aren't always the same thing. That's one of the reasons why God does call many introverted people to preach the gospel. Don't imagine that just because you are, you know, that that you're gifted in a certain way that God's not going to be trying to get you out of your comfort zone. One thing I'll tell you about a comfort zone, it's kind of hard to grow in the comfort zone. So God often tries to get us out of our comfort zones because he, because when we're in our comfort zone, we have a tendency to depend and rely upon ourselves. But when we're getting out of our element, that's when we start saying, oh God, I need your help. This is bigger than me. Moms, can you think about times like that? Lord, I need your help uh, right now. So, he, but, he, but listen, we're fellow laborers with God. Not only that, I love this one. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And so God is working in us. The verse that precedes that, by the way, is work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 12 of Philippians 2. Verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you. You work out what God's worked in. But it's God working in us. So Timothy was a fellow laborer with God. He was a fellow laborer with Paul and other Christians. He was willing to serve. He was willing to help. Now, so Timothy was that brother. May God help us to be that, that for somebody else. Because we see the church's conflict here. The church's conflict. What we see is that we mentioned this Sunday, interestingly enough, but that oftentimes trials and testings that come into our lives, number one, I want to say this, they're not accidental. I love that phrase, we're appointed there too. There's a great passage in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. I tell you, that's right, that's spot on. Why is it spot on? Because we go through a fire and we're like, what is this? We go through an affliction like, what's this strange thing? I shouldn't be having trouble. I shouldn't be having trials. I mean, man, I've been sending my money to the fellow on TV and... And I've been believing hard enough and praying hard enough. I shouldn't be having any trials. As if some strange thing has happened to us. Uh, But no, uh, and I'm not making fun because we really can be that way. But God's trying to tell us, no, hey, you got an appointment. You got an appointment. Hey, every one of you, there's not one of us in here today that don't have some appointments. The, the, The bad thing is we can't see it on our calendar. But God's got it on His calendar. He's got some appointed, He's got some appointed troubles for you. Some appointed trials. Some appointed affliction. Isn't that encouraging? It should be. You want to know why? Because we know if He's appointed them, He's got a purpose. He's got a plan, and He's going to work. Can I ask you this? There's many of you here that's been saved many years. Can you think of some afflictions that you've been through, that your faith has gotten stronger? That you're closer to God? That you, 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 are, you are the person you are today with joy in your heart and serving the Lord because you can look back at those afflictions. Because how about those times when you get to a place in your life when all you have, you ever got to this place, I've heard people say, oh preacher, all I've got is Jesus. I've lost everything else. But it's a beautiful place when you get there and you say, man, but He's all I need. He's all I need, amen? And so he's got, yes, you've got, you've got some appointments ahead of you. So do I. 
If I were like Paul, maybe I could be looking forward to those appointments, but I'm not. Um, but I know his faith, I know his grace is going to be sufficient. This church was going through conflict. Think it not strange. Now, the challenge is, again, what did he send to these Christians? How are they going to stand in the fire? Number one, I've already told you, the brothers that he sends, the people that God puts around us, be those people. But here's the thing. Sometimes we need those people because I'm not one of those people. Sometimes, sometimes I'm going through a trouble. Sometimes I'm going through a trial. Sometimes I'm weak and I just need somebody to pray for me. Because the tough thing is, and we mentioned this the other day, but when you're going through troubles and afflictions and trials, if you're not careful, we get so intra-focused, so, uh, so selfish. There's nothing bigger than what my problem is right now. We, don't, we, we can't even look at anybody else's problem. Nobody has it as bad as we do. Couldn't get any worse than this. So big, so big, so, so strong this trial. We can get very self-centered. But here's the other thing that we can do. We can isolate. Preacher, I was going to come to church, but I'm just going through some stuff. And, you know, that's like telling a doctor, you know, doc, I was going to come see you, but I was just feeling so sick. Didn't want to come by, you know. I mean, what are you talking about? I mean, listen, sick, sick people need a doctor. And, and, and spiritually sick and hurting people need a church. They need a place. They need people. They need somewhere they can come. And by the way, thank God for a church to where you don't have to come in putting on airs. You really can come in and be like, man, I, I didn't really want to come tonight. I'm going through a tough time, but I came and I just need y'all to pray for me. Uh, you know, I mean, you can just do that because we need that. So uh, what we need to be able to stand in the fire, God sent a man, God sent a brother, he sent someone to be a blessing. Now, it's interesting here also. Notice what the Bible says there again in verse 5. The Bible says, For this cause, when I can no longer forbear, I stand to know your faith. Again, we emphasize faith, faith, faith through this whole reading. Lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. This is interesting. Behind these persecutions is Satan. You say, well, now wait a second, preacher. Are you listening? If you're paying attention, you might be thinking to yourself, well, preacher, you just got done saying that God appointed these things, so which is it? Well, let me tell you this right now. The devil couldn't get his stanky breath within a hundred miles of you without God allowing him to. Couldn't happen. We see that with Job. He can't, he can't touch anything I have, can't touch my body, can't touch me at all. Unless God... Well, why in the world would God let Satan? Because here's the thing. If God does it, number one, it's on a limited basis. And, 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 it's under, and, and God says, you can do this, but no more. And then what, what Satan does is he, he thinks he's got us down. But then what God does is He lifts us up, like I said before, and He brings us to a place where we're standing more for Him, we're more in love with Him, and we've seen God do a miracle, and all of a sudden it just slaps the devil right in the face. And God gets the glory, and it's all for our good. But notice what Satan tries to do through these things. See, the Bible says that he's a roaring lion. As a roaring lion, Satan stalks believers. And we must resist him. The Bible says that we must resist him steadfast in the faith. That's 1 Peter 5, verses 8 through 9. Now, when Satan tempted Eve, he began... We talk about this a lot. 
We know he, she, she, he made her or he had her to question the Word of God. He questioned the Word of God. But, but what, what's he attacking? Her faith. He's attacking her faith. Are you going to believe what God said or not? I'm going to make you question what God said. I'm going to make you question the promise of God. So as a serpent, Satan deceives. As a lion, he devours. Timothy's task was to establish these believers and encourage them in their faith. It is faith that enables us to stand in the fire. Without faith, we are defeated. The Bible says in 1 John 5, verse number 4, This is the victory that overcometh our, uh, the world, even our faith. 1, Peter, or 1 John 1 I'm sorry, 1 John 5, verse 4. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even uh, our faith. That's what overcomes uh, when, when God gives us the faith. Now, you think about this. It's the faith that He gives, the faith that Satan tries to attack. But here's the thing. The afflictions help our faith to grow. It's not based on feeling, it's based on faith. And by the way, how does faith come about? Amen. I heard several people. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Romans chapter number 10. The Word of God, folks. Get in it. Read it. Believe it. Now, I'm not going to be able to get down to these uh, last two because I just got to the first one. Uh, I'm so delusional about me, where, where I think I'm going to be with time sometimes. But the first thing that God gives to help us stand in the fire is He gives a brother to help. And what I just mean by that is I was trying to encourage us to be that brother, but also I'm trying to encourage you to come to the brethren. Understand God's given you a church. God's given you a place and a people that can help you. The second thing is he gave him a book to read. He gave him a book to read. What did he do? He wrote him a letter. He wrote him an inspired letter uh, here. He gave him the book to read. And by the way, it's the word of God. And then the very last thing is there was a benediction offered. He prayed for him. And this is what I was thinking about. It's hard to think about standing in the fire without thinking about this. An Old Testament example or illustration, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember them? How that, that, that they were threatened? All they were doing were, was trying to stand for God. That's what Paul's trying to get these folks to do. The problem is, in standing for God, they've got some appointed affliction coming into their lives. Now, the reason they, wouldn't, the reason they were in trouble is because they would not bow down. Now, does anybody know, and I don't think it's much of an assumption, I think it's a certainty, even though it doesn't say exactly, but why is the reason that these three Hebrew boys would not bow down to an image? They believed in God. They believe His promises. So why wouldn't a Hebrew then bow down before an image? Thou shalt worship no other God, you shall not bow down to them. I mean, absolutely. they had the Word of God. So they said, nope. Then coming back, said, therefore they had the promises of God. So they stood before Nebuchadnezzar, and, and here's Nebuchadnezzar, the, the wicked, evil king, that says to these boys, okay, I'm going to give you one more chance. Give you one more opportunity to bow down. Well, no, we're not in the bowing business. We're in the standing business. We're, we're, we're mature Christians. We're standing up. So, uh, so, so no, king, uh, we, we're not going to do that. And so they looked at the king and they said, well, I'll tell you what, king, uh, we, we live forever, we're, we're, we're treating you with respect, 
uh, were not being ugly. To, I mean, they were never in disrespectful. They were very respectful. But they just said, we're not bowing down. And, uh, and he said, well, do you not realize that you're going to get thrown into the fire? But here's what they said. O king, the God which we serve is able to deliver us out of thine hand. He's able to, to, to deliver us from the furnace. Oh, here, that's what it said. He's able to deliver us from the furnace. But one way or the other, king, he's going to deliver us out of your hand. So we know that they bound them up and they threw them in the fire. But guess what they had in the fire? They had somebody there with them. Amen? They had each other, number one, but they also had the Lord Jesus Christ there walking with them in the midst of the fire. And folks, the promise that we have is in the midst of the fire, man, Jesus is going to be there. And there's somebody that's going to be there to help us to stand in the fire. I mean, and listen, the thing about the fire that was cool too, they they were thrown in there bound, tied together. But the fire actually ended up breaking their bands. I mean, so in other words, the fire didn't hurt them at all. All the fire did was help break loose some of the things that were holding them back. And the Lord walked with them there. So how did they stand in the fire? The same principles are found there with with Paul and Timothy and those that he's trying to encourage. Man, he's still in the fire. And we know that they were able to walk right out of that fire, out of that furnace, and continue to worship God and continue to stand and live for God. Why? Because they had faith in God Almighty. And listen, they had one another. There wasn't just one of them standing there. There were three of them standing there together. The Bible says that a three... three, uh, Fold cord, and I didn't say that right. Uh, ah, this is where it just comes back to me. Amen. But anyway, but, but there's, there's a bond there, and there's a strength with the three that's not easily broken. And with God being there with us, folks, I mean, we can stand through come what may. So, I don't know where you're at tonight, but may God help you to be somebody that can be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and stand. One of my favorite messages out of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is just that simple line, but if not, but if not. Because that's the question that we all have to ask ourselves. We have trials appointed. There's tough days coming for us. Hey, listen, even if everything goes exact, listen, don't think if everything goes exactly like we want to on November 8th here on this coming Tuesday, please get out and vote. But if it goes exactly the way we want it to go, don't think, whoo! Our salvation has arrived. The Republicans have the House and the Senate. Woohoo! Jesus, we're ready for you to come set up your throne now, you know. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, that, that is not our hope, amen? My hope, I'll tell you right now, just to be clear, my hope is not in the Republican Party today. Hey, my hope is in Christ. And, it, and, and, and it's in no kind of political party. It's in Christ. There's afflictions coming one way or the other. But here's the thing. We've got to ask ourselves that question. Those three men illustrate what God wanted to happen in the lives of the Thessalonians, and it was happening. And it was this. They had a but-if-not attitude. Because they said, King, God's able to deliver us from your hand. He, He is able to deliver us from the furnace. But if not, be it known unto the old king, we're not going to bow down. You know what? The, we know the whole story, don't we? Of the, of the, most of us know the whole story of those three Hebrew boys being thrown in. If not, go back and read it in Daniel. Familiarize yourself. But for those of us who know it, we know kind of how it ends. But we, we don't realize what the, they were saying there. They were holding out a hope, Eric, that God would miraculously rescue them. 
The God which we serve is able to deliver us from you in the furnace. That's a good statement of faith. That's a good place for us to live. Are you facing something? Or when you are starting to face something, Lord, I know you're able to deliver us. God, please, I know you're able. I know you're able. But if not, then what? What if God doesn't deliver you? What if God doesn't answer your prayer the way you think He ought to answer it? What then? I'll tell you what they did. That was fine. But if not, we're not bowing down. But if not, we're going to continue to stand. And so that's the place. Standing in the fire. Amen. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for the Word of God. I thank you, dear Lord, for the work. I mean, really, it just blows my mind to think about the work that you started way back here with Paul. It didn't start with Paul, but to Paul, to Timothy, and seriously, all the way up to us today. That's an amazing thing. And so, Lord, I just pray, God, that you'll help us to stand, help us to mature, help us to say, but if not, help us, dear God, when we, every one of us have, have some appointments ahead of us. But the good thing is, it's, it's good when we, I, I, I think about loved ones and friends that have had doctor's appointments, that it's been nice to go there and try to be a comfort and a care. God, I'm glad for the, the appointments that we got ahead of us. You're going to be there with us, God. You're going to the appointment with us. You're going to be helping us out, Lord, and we have your promise on that. Help us to stand. Help us to be a blessing to others. Uh, help us to be like a Timothy in somebody else's life, Lord. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Danny's going to play. Before we leave, I'll just allow you to pray. If anybody's got a need tonight,